0: plushcare.com slash well hello there how the heck are you this is dr abby medcalf and this is the relationships made easy podcast you are listening to the relationships made easy podcast with dr abby medcalf change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing Very happy to have you with me today. I've got a lot to cover. We are gonna go into thriving through the holidays, even if you see your family. <laughs> I'm gonna talk all about it. Uh, and before I jump in, there's a couple things. One is I take two weeks off a year from the podcast, and one of them is next week. So you, we won't be together next week. Um, we're gonna take off that week. I always take off the week before between. Uh, Hanukkah slash Christmas and New Year's. Most of you are traveling anyway, and you're not listening to a podcast. And then I t- always take off one week in the summer. So um, there you go. So you come right back to me after the holidays, and I have a really special uh, episode landing on January 1st, which you're going to be very excited about. Uh so you want to tune into that and um it has to do with starting the ho- starting the new year with a bang and bang is a double entendre. There you go. So that's the only thing I'm going to leave you with. Uh, okay. <laughs> so if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, what are you waiting for? It's fabulous. You know, you want to know when it's out. Uh, and I would so appreciate you leaving a review if you haven't done that yet. That's how people, you know, you read reviews of the podcast when you were figuring out which ones to listen to. So I would really, really appreciate it if you would please uh, take the time. That could be my Hanukkah gift. You could give me a Hanukkah gift. It would mean so much. Oh, so special uh, to leave a review. And you can even say happy Hanukkah in the review. (laughs) And I also want to thank a little, uh, throw a little thank you out there to Val F. From New York, who was someone I knew growing up and we reconnected on Facebook, and as many of you know, I left New York and I'm here in California. And um, I've, you know, just really had, uh, and because I was, you know, a drug addict for all those teenage years, etc. I really um, knew people when I was young, young, and then sort of got lost in my addiction and my little world for a long time. So I didn't. I lost all these connections, is what happened. Any connections I'd had, and um, Val kind of again circled back through in Facebook, and she's just lovely. I love hearing from her, and she just sent me a note recently about you know that she really enjoys listening to the podcast, and it's just it, it it's so great. Or um, you know, and while well, reading my newsletter and things like that. So uh, I feel grateful, and I just want to throw that out there. Okay, so. Today I'm going to prepare you to not only survive the holiday season with your family, but how to thrive through the season. And I know where it's right upon us as you're listening to this, it's coming right here. So, and specifically, I'm going to give you actionable tips for what to do before, during, and after holiday gatherings. And I'm going to talk about something called the holiday schmear that I read about which I love. So, and there's a lot of tips out there about how to get through the holidays with your mental health intact. Um, but I don't always find that the way I broke it down is the way I'd like things. Like, so what you can do before, you know, how to prepare yourself, that's often left out. And all they do is sort of tell you what to do when you're, you know, dad is saying something you don't like. It's And that's fine. And that's good. But if you're prepared before, it's even easier when things are happening with dad. And then I'm also going to tell you, so I am going to tell you what to do during, but also after what you can do afterwards to uh, heal anything that has gone on or just think differently about it. So there you go. Uh, And so this like, this holiday schmear, I love this. This term was coined, I think it was coined by her, by Eve Ekman. And she's the director of training over at the Greater Good Science Center in Berkeley. Shout out to Eve. And um, and if you don't know about the Greater Good Science Center in Berkeley, you should. It's an awesome, awesome resource. It's packed with research-based articles about how to live a happy, fulfilled life. It's really great. Um, and uh, anyway, so, and I read this, i um. I get their newsletter, and you know I'm always reading all their research. It's it's so well done. Uh, and she talked about this holiday schmear, and I thought it's so brilliant. So, it's a the holiday schmear is an awesome combination of shame and fear. There you go, the schmear that so many of us experience around the holidays, and we most commonly experience it when we're interacting with our families, but it also shows up with all of our perfectionism and our control issues around the holidays. So it's, uh, and you might not realize you feel shame with your family, or fear, but trust me, yeah, if you're having any kind of disconnect or any kind of tension or any flat out arguments or anything that's kind of consistent, then you do. And so I'm gonna talk about that a little more today. I'm going to I'm gonna explain you know fear, how it shows up, shame, and then we're gonna talk about what to do about it. so uh, <laughs> now, and you you also might again not just get it with family. The schmear, but also for yourself. So a lot of us uh, control enthusiasts like myself. I know there's a lot of you out there because you write it and tell me that you relate. Um, you know, I can get so caught up in making things perfect and I want to have the perfect food and I want to have, you know, the great best gifts ever and I want to do all the things and I want to make sure my children experience all the things and should we travel? Should we not? Should we also entertain? Should we do both? Should we do 12 things? It it's th- this is shame showing up. Believe it or not, I know it's our worry that people that we're not lovable, so we have to be the best, best, best. We're worried, you know. If you worry that anyone's going to judge you, that's shame. You, you. Why would they judge you? What, what's to judge? It's there's this internalized shame that we don't always realize we have. Uh, when I, when f- people first started talking about shame, I, I, didn't get it. I have to say, I was like, I don't have shame. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I definitely have things I feel horrible about that I did during my addiction. Uh, but it, and like I could maybe go, oh yeah, I feel ashamed of those things, you know, these particular things, but I didn't realize that there was shame because I hadn't like perpetrated anything against my family or anything. So I didn't understand that the shame could also be these other things that, and and how it could show up in my control issues, my wanting to do everything just right. Um, it's really interesting. And I'm uh, and. to, I'm actually doing a podcast in January on shame, so on in and of itself. So, you know, tune back in later for that, but today I'm just going to kind of hit the broad strokes of it and we'll we'll go deep in January. So, what happens with the holiday schmear is we get caught up in these old emotional patterns and that's why I used to always turn into a teenager as soon as I was around my siblings and my mom unbelievable. Uh, you know, my, um, I'm the youngest in my family and it, there's just this way that I would sort of become the youngest again. And I've done a lot of work uh, around this issue and I'm not saying I don't get triggered still or find myself feeling, you know, those feelings, but in general, I can kind of move through them. But a lot of us can't. I've seen people have out-and-out tantrums, um, you know, lose their crap at a table, you know, a holiday gathering or something. And that's because you're tapping into some old stuff there. Uh, it's, it's, that's why it's so explosive and so upsetting. And that's why we, you know, perseverate and think about it and ruminate and go over and over things later. It's, it's, it's old. Uh, there's, I I've mentioned this before on the podcast. There's a saying in the 12 steps that if it's, if you're hysterical, it's historical. And, and I know we're not necessarily always hysterical, like, Totally losing it, but when we're really worked up and thinking about things for days, that's that's what we're talking about when we say it's hysterical. If you're hysterical, it's historical, and then you have to kind of look back. So, okay, so let's let's talk about fear, and I'm talking about shame, and then I'm gonna go right into my my tips. Okay, and so when we feel fear, uh, we we feel it. When we're vigilant, when we're on point, when we're looking for any potential threats to ourselves, to our well being, to uh, who, you know, that, and of course, this comes out of when we were worried about our physical threats, but now it's, it's our emotional things that are emotionally threatening and our, because our physical physical safety is really not an issue most of the time but our emotional well-being can definitely feel like another story so you might sit at your holiday table worrying that your you know your mom is going to ask you why you and your partner aren't married yet or maybe your dad's going to ask about your job or maybe uncle harry's going to wonder why your son doesn't want to hug everyone anymore I always say because he's 13 now, that's why. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and so in all this wondering, you know, as you sit there thinking, what if, what if this happens? What if they say this? Oh, I know. And you might even say these things beforehand to your partner. Oh, I know my sister's gonna go off about blah blah blah. You know, we get ourselves worked up, and we we're bracing for impact is what we're doing. We're getting ourselves all ready. So really, what's going on is that we feel. We're going to need to defend ourselves, our life choices, the way we're living, what we're doing, and if, you know, hey, we're not married yet because he hasn't asked me yet, and this pressure from all of you isn't helping, (laughs) or something like that, right? That's what you might be thinking, or uh, even though you don't see a future with my current job, I really love it, and I don't want the stress of a higher-paying job right now, you know, dad. Uh, You know, we have lots of reasons, and we feel like we have to defend why we're parenting the way we are, you know, or why, well, he gets, uh, I remember my kids, I was a, I have to tell you, I was a crazy like sleep Nazi with my kids. And I, when they were little and nap time was, and bedtime were all there were. And that's what we, Structured our days around. And because I felt like it was, and everything I had read and everybody I talked to, it was the most important thing. So I didn't do things during nap time. And I would be home at a certain time for their bedtime for years. And people would consistently, my family, friends, people I barely knew would be like, you know, tell me I was being anal or I was being ridiculous. It wasn't that important. Um, and to me, it was. And I would find myself defending that or feeling, you know, angry that they were saying these things. And right? It's because I felt like I was getting, you know, this. It, it, believe it or not, that's like this shame. This because if I was really confident in those things, if I was really sure, I wouldn't feel angry. I'd be like, "Oh, you silly! You don't even know," uh, <laughs> and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be hitting me the way it was. But there was this place where I felt like I had to defend it because I really, you know, I didn't, I didn't have younger siblings. The first diaper I ever changed was my son's. Uh, I have always felt like it was a major learning curve uphill with my kids. And like I didn't really know what I the frig I was doing. And so yeah, I felt defensive around those things. And by the way, my kids never had tantrums growing up. And I they didn't. My kids didn't have tantrums. I I, I remember literally twice uh with my daughter and once with my son for all these years, <laughs> those years when they're, and I mean up to like age, whatever, you're like now really, uh, they didn't have tantrums. And I swear to me, it was because uh, they had like once or twice that they, you know, kind of got upset or lost it or something. But in general, I mean, 99.9% of the time, they were even keeled, lovely, fun to be around as they still are. And I swear it was the sleep. I really do all that napping. But anyway, see, I'm still feeling like I have to defend it. All right, so <laughs> so let's keep talking fear, though. But you, so you see where I'm going here, and all that, all this uh, bracing for impact, getting ready. You know, this is this fear mowing through us. Now, if you were in the here and now and just eating your dinner, believe it or not, you might actually enjoy it you might actually be at the holiday dinner enjoying it but instead you're you're putting on your armor or you have your armor on and you're just getting ready for things but so all the worrying and trying to figure out what you're going to say if x or y happens is keeping you scared and on edge which leads to all the old behavior patterns you swear if you're like me you swear you go this doesn't happen anywhere else i don't do this with anyone else and it's uh, yeah, it, it's because again they're tapping into this old stuff. So in these moments that you know you're not in the present, so instead you're either you're traveling back in time or you're worried about the future. You know you're you're one or the other, right? You're future tripping or you're back there in some anxiety about your past, worry or depression about your past. So there you go with fear. Now shame is a little different. Shame it's different from fear. Just want to be clear. I'm sure you know that, but it's one of those things you likely, again, don't realize you're feeling because it's, it's just doesn't, it's not always what you think it is. And, uh, so like I said earlier, you might be thinking, well, I don't feel shame. I don't have anything to feel. I've done nothing wrong to be ashamed of, that kind of thing. But you don't have to do anything wrong or otherwise to feel shame. Shame, it's all about really, and I, I, and, uh, I've read this in a few places so, and I loved it, is shame is all about being self-conscious. That's really what that is. Like I was just describing, I'm, I'm self-conscious about my parenting, so I end up being shameful. So whenever you're self self-conscious about anything that is that's really that place where there's some shame. If you're self-conscious about uh, how your ass looks in jeans, guess what? That's that same thing. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Uh, it really changed the game for me when I read this a long I think it was probably Brené Brown or one of those, but um when I read that, but I like I said I've read that from multiple authors. Um it, it just was like, "Oh, self-consciousness, that's where shame sh- that's how I know I'm feeling shameful." Uh it's it's a good one. So Anytime you perceive you're being judged, again, that's shame. It's not that I'm parenting badly in my head. It's that I'm a bad parent, right? So, and I'm sure you've heard the whole um, difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is thinking you did something bad. Shame is thinking you are bad. And that that's sort of what this is. So, uh again like i would feel like somehow on some level i was a bad parent and people were going to figure it out it happens sometimes with what i'm doing right now in my podcast you know when i'm doing things i that imposter syndrome comes up even though i have you know so many degrees <laughs> i've 34 years of doing this i all that stuff i still get nervous, I still in my head go, who am I to be talking? Who am I to be saying this stuff? And that is old, old shame showing up. Because of course I should be saying this stuff. Of course I... (laughs) Like, what else do you have to have to be able to do this work, right? I've got all the boxes checked. If someone else had all those boxes checked, I'd be like, wow, all that experience. And they still do hands on work. And wow, they read so much and they're always, you know, looking at the research. And I'd be, they have all these degrees. I'd be like, wow, I'm totally following that person. But (laughs) when it's me, I'm thinking, why are people following me? I don't understand. Uh, You know, that's shame. That's old, old stuff. And again, it's not because because i did something wrong that i feel that it's because of old messaging about being wrong about being a certain way and you know that who i was was and am is somehow broken or wrong or whatever those words are that's how it so shows up so again whenever you feel self-conscious whenever you're questioning that that's where the shame comes in um and ekman who i mentioned earlier with the holiday schmear uh She has a great, I I took something out of something she wrote and she said, in shame, we imagine an other outside person who's judging us as bad or wrong. Not that we do bad or wrong, but that we are fundamentally bad or wrong. This is enormously threatening to our sense of self and even hits a core survival fear. If we are truly wrong, we won't be loved or accepted. So you see sort of how it goes. It's not that your brain is consciously going down that road, but that's what happens. Uh, So the question there would be, so what do I do? Well, you do different things when you're trying to uh, heal or get out of fear versus healing or getting out of shame. Um, And with fear, it tends to be about getting some... You're per- changing your perceptions, having some relativity, looking at the situation differently. Uh, we know from the research that telling yourself to just stop acting or thinking a certain way, it it, <laughs> you know, or trying to quash your feelings, it not only doesn't it work, it it makes those thought patterns worse. So. You want to, instead, you want to get in your moments with a kind, clear assessment of what's really going on. You want to, you know, really come to it from a a more realistic perspective, because when we're in fear, we're not being real. And with shame, you need to go all in with kindness, gentleness, compassion, all that self love, um all the love and the love bomb as you know I like to say with ourselves and those around us. Th- those those so that's why it's a little different. So okay. So what I'm going to talk about now are my tips. And so first I'm going to talk about the how to be prepared before you go to something. So before you go to the holiday party or event or the thing at work or whatever that is, or even if it's just a dinner out with with your family or just your parents or whoever, um, you want to be prepared before you go on, especially around these holidays and these sort of bigger events. So uh, and uh, there's three specific things I want you to do before you walk into a holiday gathering. And number one, I want you to have an exit plan thought through. First thing, first, I want you to have an exit plan that you've thought through. So uh, this could be, you know, telling whoever's there, uh, "Oh, hey, I can. Uh, I'm only going to be able to come for two hours." You know, a lot of these parties are like all day, right? They start start at noon, end at midnight, whatever. Um, or they're, you know, these very long dinners, and it's often you know, you can often be really cool and good for like an hour and a half, two hours, and it's something that happens after that that really falls apart. And so I want you to really think about that. Think, Pat, you know better than me, think back on family gatherings that have gone awry. And I, you will often notice that it's after a certain amount of time, it's often because people are drinking and after a while, they start, the drinking starts to escalate and you know, things start to really fall apart. But um, whatever that is, so have an exit plan in place. Say, oh, you know, I've promised so-and-so I'm also going to their place, so I'm going to leave here at seven, you know, because I'm going to go over there till nine or whatever. And yeah, people might get upset. Well, what do you mean? This is our big family thing. How could you leave? You know, that's okay. They're going to get upset anyway, right? That. <laughs> they were going to get upset and probably yell at you anyway about something else. So, you know, this is called a boundary and people tend to get upset when we draw boundaries. They don't like it, especially when we haven't had them before. And oh, well. So, you know, you've got to put your mental health first, but above the people pleasing and again, above the shame, right? There's the shame again. Oh, they're not going to like me. They're going to be upset with me. They're going to be mad. I don't want to hurt them. It, it's okay. If you're doing something that's a healthy boundary for you and other people tell you it hurts them, that's a problem. I really want you to hear that. I'm going to repeat it. If you're doing something that's a healthy boundary for you. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It doesn't hurt anyone else. It doesn't. you, You doing right action, you being in a loving expression of yourself, that's love. Love doesn't hurt others. Never, ever, ever. So that's their crap. That's their stuff. And they're really hoping that you will stop what you're doing and uh, and come back with the new, you know, with how you used to be, sorry, with your old ways. And I'll, t- <laughs> you know, my favorite comparison, and this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to compare it to dogs. I am. If you've ever, you know, been somebody who gives your dogs little treats, and then the vet yells at you and says, you can't give them treats anymore. They're getting overweight or that's bad for them or whatever, right? So then you go, okay, I'm not going to give the dog treats anymore. Just, you know, two meals, you know, breakfast and dinner, and that's going to be it. And then they they look at you with those big eyes and they look so sad and they're just going to die without the treat. And you just go, oh, I feel so bad. Here you go. It's right. They're not dying. They're dogs. They're okay. (laughs) This is your crap. And this is you, your own feeling guilty or bad, which is really nuts when you think about it, because you should feel guilty or bad that you're hurting them, that they're gaining weight, or that they're, you know, the vet is telling you it's not a good thing for them, or that you just know it's not. That's what should make you feel bad that you're doing this thing that isn't good for them. But instead, we get in those moments of it's a it's a dog pleasing in this point, but do you know what I'm saying? And this is again old shame, old feelings, old fears that are coming up, that are getting in the way. It does not mean it's a good thing it to, right? Just because people get upset doesn't mean you're supposed to turn around and do something different. It's it's a good thing when you are doing anything that's a boundary or self-love. Okay, I'm getting off my, my soapbox now. So have an exit plan, be, be thoughtful about that. Number, my second tip about being prepared before you go is see if you can take someone with you Um, oh, I'm sorry. I have four tips for this. Not, not three. (laughs) See if you can take someone with you, a confidant, a person that you can connect to, or set up somebody who you know is already going to be there. If you're really close to your sister and she's going to be there at the party, you know, just say to her, okay, let's stay close. You know, let's stay close together during this party. Have a plan beforehand for kind of being there for each other so you can, you know, (laughs) uh, Check in with them, et cetera. So so just, but make the plan beforehand. Really talking to someone about how you need them there with you and you really want their support. Uh, Third is be ready with fun topics so you can change the subject if it's going wrong. Yeah. So really think about it beforehand. Think about some nice, uh, innocuous, harmless things you could talk about. Because a lot of times when things are going left, if you just change the subject, Everyone will go there. They really will. So, but you have to have those re- at the ready. If you try to think of them in the moment when you're in that fear state or the shame state, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to consciously connect to that. So, you you, you that's not going to work. So instead, you got to really think beforehand of some topics, some items to talk about. Uh, you know, some old friend from the neighborhood who. I don't know, just made it rich in Silicon Valley. I, I I really don't know what your thing might be, but just something that you can throw out that's about somebody else uh, that you can talk about. Or if you have, you know, with me, with my kids, I always have some accomplishment they've had or something they've been doing great. That is an easy thing to throw out there, uh, a little boned throw (laughs) Um, that, you know, and everyone runs after the bone and leaves me alone. So uh, you can do stuff like that. Whatever it is for you that would work. Um, For some people talking about your kids wouldn't. So you, you have to know what it is, but having those subjects at the ready. And the last and most important of these is to set intention before you walk in. I have a lot of stuff on setting intention. I will link to them in the show notes. Um, because it's so important. I'll link to the other things that I have about setting intention. I don't want to spend a ton of time here because I've talked about it so much. But basically, I want you to, before you walk in that house, before you have to sit in the car, your whole family can do it. If you're sitting there with your family, if you're not alone, or if you're with your best friend, it's all good. Take a minute. Or you can tell them to go in and you'll be right in, that you have to grab some stuff, I don't know. And you could do it that way if you wanna be alone. Either way, you have to do this. And you're basically just gonna close your eyes, take a nice deep breath, let it out, and you're gonna set an intention for how you wanna be when you walk in. You wanna be kind, you wanna be patient, you want to be in your moments you want to be full of joy and love you want to uh you know be compassionate whatever that is and set that intention before you walk in the door and hold hold that and keep coming back to that as you're there really really important okay so that's how to be prepared before you go now let's talk about how to be prepared when you're there. So one thing I want you to uh, do is something called the calming anchor, and I'm not going to again. I, I don't have enough time to talk about it uh, right now because we'd spend the whole time on it. But it's a neurolinguistic program technique, and basically you can you you practice something for about a week before. It takes about five minutes a day. Um, and you practice it in your mind, this kind of calm, you, you picture a calm scene and there's a whole little way you do it and you anchor it in your, in your body. So that when you're at dinner or when you're sitting around the table or whatever, you can calm yourself right in the moment. No one knows you're doing it. It's this little technique. Uh, no one even knows it's happening, but you literally can lower your heart rate, your respiration. You can just calm yourself as things are going on. So you can act, not react. So you can have this moment. I'm going to link the calming anchor in the show notes. Um, for free you know these things are always for free but it is one of my favorite favorite tools i've been using it for i think 30 years now i was realizing the other day i can't be that old right oh lord um and it's something i've been giving to clients for years it's so great if you have anxiety it's so great for any kind of stress um it and this the, it's really great for the schmear. So the calming anchor, this NLP neurolinguistic programming technique will it's so easy to learn, it'll take you five minutes a day for about a week. So this is a little bit of being prepared before you go, actually. Also, sorry, <laughs> this is a bridge, <laughs> but and this is what you're gonna use when you're there in those moments to calm yourself. So it'll be linked in the show notes. Just come on over, abbeymedcalf.com forward slash podcast, episode 75, and the calming anchor will be right. There and um, we'll hook you right up. It's also on my YouTube channel, the Connection Quickie. It'll be sort of the corresponding Connection Quickie to this, and um, how to feel. You'll feel calm. It really does work. It's kind of amazing. It's a little bit of magic. Okay, it's my little my little holiday gift to you. Um okay, but the other things I want you to do when you 're there is I want you to check in with yourself. You cannot be on autopilot at these things and expect for them to go well because it 's not so set reminders on your phone, you know setting a little alarm for you know if you 're there for three hours, set one for every forty five minutes or even half hour, and when it goes off, just it doesn 't matter. You could be talking to someone whatever it'll go off, and you'll just take that moment. And say, oh, how am I feeling right now? How, am I? What was I just talking about? Was it BS? <laughs> was I rambling? Was I not listening in this? Maybe I wasn't talking and I was listening, and I wasn't really listening. You know where? Or or maybe I'm really present and focused and feeling good. But really, just check in. How am I feeling? And if you're feeling anxious or any of the schmear, uh, any fear, if you notice any of that, just you know bring yourself back. You can use the calming anchor, calm yourself down, bring yourself to the here and now to the present. And that's it. And just go on. It takes seconds, literally three seconds, five seconds. It's so quick, but it'll help you uh, be in that, you know, in those moments. Uh, So you can, again, act, not react. My third tip for being prepared when you're there is to take a fake smoke break or two. So it's really interesting. When I was a smoker, you know, and I would go outside to take a smoke break at work or wherever else, no one said boo. Well, in those days, everybody smoked too. But, <laughs> but I mean, no one said boo. Like, but now if I'm somewhere, if I'm, you know, doing some consulting work in an office or something, and I'm like, I'm just going to go uh, take a walk, like right in the middle of everything, people are like, What do you do? What? No, we got to finish this project or what? oh, no, we got to do this thing. So I have actually let people think I, I smoke <laughs> and said, oh, I'm going to go grab a cigarette. I'll be back in five minutes. And no one blanks. So I, it's a non-smoke break. I, I'm just taking a non-smoke break. So it it's so great. So become a non A non-smoker, smoker. smoker. Um, Just say I have to go outside for a minute. But you know what's great about them is you're just taking this little break. You're giving this yourself this moment. So do this at parties. You know. Go to the bathroom and wash your face, or go out back, or go out front, or go out to your car for a minute. Say you forgot something. You'll be right back. Oh, I have to take this quick call. Be right back. And you know you can do it with that saying it's a call that you have to take for work or something, even though it's not. And then just go outside, take a few minutes to recenter yourself. Again, it takes two or three minutes. You don't have to take a long time, so no one's going to get suspicious or anything else. And then rejoin the party. So in a lot of times, depending on how the party's going, you don't have to let anybody know you're going anywhere. Just do it. Just disappear for a few minutes and come back. And then my fourth and final tip for being prepared when you're there is don't drink or party or eat or whatever too much. It You need to keep your wits about you. And what happens with alcohol especially is that it uh, enhances or... I guess focuses, highlights whatever emotions we're having. So that's why some people, when they drink, become very snugly and I love you, man. Oh, I miss you. I love you. And other people are spoiling for a fight. It is not obviously the type of alcohol that has nothing to do with it. Um, I love when people say that, like, "Oh, uh, tequila makes me want to fight." No, it doesn't. You you already want to fight, and that's why you drink tequila. That's why you're doing shots versus having a beer, um, or whatever. So, uh, believe it or not, even though you might not consciously realize that, that is what's going on. It's they they've a- actually liquor companies have tried to show uh which one makes you feel a certain way or do a certain thing, and they can't because it doesn't. So, <laughs> so otherwise they'd be advertising that way. So. Uh, you're what happens is though when you drink, if you're already feeling fearful or anxious, you become more fearful and anxious. I know initially you, you go, no, I don't. It relaxes me. Oh, I feel like I can actually be there. It actually, it though has a rebound effect on that because it's focusing that, that feeling. So you will feel more of that feeling as you go. And unless you keep drinking and drinking and drinking, in which case you're going to get drunk and you're really going to make a mess of everything. So, and I would actually want to say to you, why are you even there if, you, if you're if you that checked out? Like, don't even, just don't go. Pretend to be sick or something. If it's that bad at your family's or if it's that horrible to be around whoever people you're around, then I need you to check why you're even doing it at all. At some point, you're, again, your self-care and self-love has to take priority. So uh, be mindful about, how much you're taking in. And that includes food too. Don't stuff yourself into a food coma. You know, really be mindful. Try to be aware when you're there. Try to really be in your moments. Drink a lot of water, keep yourself hydrated, you know, do that kind of thing. Um, I I have a a client, you know, I have many clients, of course, who don't drink. And uh, one of them, she always brings her own sort of six pack of bubbly water, you know, so she has what she likes to drink. Um, and she takes there, she brings them there, she puts them in the fridge and then she always has them. She doesn't have to like rely on her host or hostess to have something that she's going to enjoy. Uh, cause a lot of times the non-alcoholic stuff isn't what you want to drink. Uh, you know, it might just be some soda that you don't like, or just plain club soda that you don't like. So, um, again, being prepared. That's, That's a little bit, again, about being prepared before you go, that you bring what you like, but there you go. Okay. And then my last but not least is what to do after. And after, it's always great to, number one, do a review. So, and not that night, (laughs) don't get home at 10 o'clock at night and do a review, that is not the time. But in the morning when you're refreshed that next day, really do a review, uh, an honest review. And what I like to do with the review is too good and too bad. So what were two positive things that happened you know, maybe there was a time at the party that your, you know, Aunt Mary said something that really rubbed you the wrong way, but you were you were in your moment and you were able to notice that discomfort, notice that annoyance and go, oh, it's just Aunt Mary. You know, here she goes again. This has nothing to do with me. This is not a personal attack. She doesn't know any different way to be. And you found that inner compassion, gentleness, and kindness for her and let it go. Um So, you know, anything like that, or the fact that you didn't drink too much, you know, that you put down the food or, you know, that could have been the positive. The positive could have been something nice you said, something you actively did or said. It could have just been that you really took care of yourself and consistently throughout the night that you took some breaks or whatever. Whatever it is, list two positive things that you did or, you know, that happened, or maybe, you know, your dad complimented you, uh, whatever it is. And then look at two things that you wish you could do or had done differently. Look at, you know, let's be real here. It's not all pollyanna puppy dog tails and rainbows as i like to say it's what could be better what could you improve on what you know where do you need to focus next time because it'll help you with your be prepared before you go list and i always want you to have this list for when you do pretty much anything you can think of it if you're having a really hard time at work you can think of it the same way at work. It doesn't have to just be for the holidays. You can think, okay, what can I do before I go to work that I'm really prepared? Maybe that's you have a good breakfast, that you wake up early enough to meditate and pray, you know, that or work out, whatever that is. And then, what are you going to do when you're there? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to have my calming anchor. I'm going to make sure I take some breaks, whatever. And then again, after work, think, okay, what did I? What are a couple things that really went well today? What What have I been shifting? How have I been shifting the uh, moving? the needle, and then what are two things I'm really going to still work on and and just have them that way. This doesn't mean beat yourself up. It doesn't mean anything else. It just means two things you're going to work on. Um, this, the next thing I want you to do is think about if you're really caught up in things, so that might be enough for you just to do that. And that's great. But if you're noticing that you still have a lot of unresolved feelings around, uh, family and a lot of resentment, anger, uh, frustration, then it's time to work on forgiveness. It really is. It's time to work on your forgiveness. And so, uh, I, I, i have um if you go to my website abby forward slash um i think it says shop you i have a little forgiveness masterclass you can do it's Really inexpensive. It's a great little way to work through forgiveness. Um, It has, you know, the kind of the best research all rolled together into a little itty bitty masterclass. Or you can pray every day and just ask, you know, your higher power to help you forgive. Whatever works for you, write a letter, um, go look it up on the internet. But you need to think of it as an active pursuit to work on forgiveness, buy a book. with your family. And then the last piece is to also th- think about seeing a therapist or joining a support group of some sort. If it's really not working out, if you've been mad at your like, you know, brother for years, come on now, uh, it's time to do something about that. It's It's not helping anybody. So really think about seeking therapy, seeking professional help for that. Um, and looking for some kind of support group that can help you through that. Some way to actually address the issue on the next level. Okay. So there you have it. That was my whole shtick for today. (laughs) Uh, The shtick for the schmear. So uh, I love the holiday schmear. Thanks, Eve. Um, and I love, uh, all the tips I'm giving you are things I've been doing for years and been doing with my clients and they really, really do change the game. So that's it. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday, everyone. I am grateful for you. I really am. I, I feel, uh, oh, I'm going to say I feel blessed. I'm sorry, but I do. Uh, <laughs> and I will see you in 2020. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.